Hello, friends, and thanks for joining us today for the Hillcrest Covenant Church podcast. This week, Pastor Jen Zerby closes out our series, Poured Out. In this week's message, Pastor Jen asks each of us, how have you yourself held back from pouring out to God? As Jen says, if your desire for this Lenten season or for all of life is to pour your whole self out before Christ, before the one who withheld nothing from you, then God has given you everything you need to be able to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, you can watch our live stream on YouTube that happens Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., or you can always find us at hillcrestdecalb.com. Grace and peace. It's always an interesting transition to go from these, um, these beautiful worship songs to what is often in my sermon an opening joke, but I <laughs> happen to believe that Jesus has a sense of humor. So he made me after all, so I have to trust that's where it came from. And so my question to you this morning is, have any of you ever been strolling along, just, just walking like a normal human being, and then you trip over nothing? Like it's, your toe did not catch the sidewalk, there was no stick in the way. You just kind of tripped over yourself, anybody? I'm just trying to identify my people. <laughs> so Perfect, thank you so much, good. We are the same breed of people, incidentally, who can trip upstairs. Yep. We're also the same breed of people who can choke on water, which incidentally I did in a restaurant yesterday. It's a really special talent to be able to do that. It takes a really special breed to be able to dislocate one shoulder playing cards, but that's... that's I'm my own special breed of person, and that's a different sermon for a different day. All that to say, it's kind of amazing uh, how many ways there are to get in our own way. Those are just some examples of some silly little physical ways in which we get in our own way, but don't we do that a lot emotionally too, or in life in general? Like maybe you're one of those people who is so afraid of failure that you, you don't even want to try something new, you get too scared to try something new in case you might fail. Maybe you're one of those people who work yourself to death trying to prove yourself to, I don't know, the world. Maybe you're one of those people who procrastinate so badly and so often that you're in like a constant state of anxiety and panic. Maybe you're one of those people who tends to say yes when you really want to say no because you care more about making other people happy. There are a million ways in which we get in our own way. And if it's true in life in general, it's typically true in our journey of faith as well. And so this morning we are actually closing our Lenten series that we've been calling Poured Out, where we've been talking about some of the different things that get in our way or get in the way of of our ability or our willingness to pour our whole selves out before God. Now, to be clear, in case you're confused, Lent is not over today. But next week, we're going to celebrate Palm Sunday together. And then the week after that is our Easter celebration, which you are not going to want to miss. And so real quick, I want you to pause and I want you to think about one person in your life that you want to invite to come to our Easter service. One person. Are you thinking about that one person? And then sometime this week, I want you to send out or call or text or however you do your thing and invite that one person to come join us for our Easter celebration because you're not going to want to miss that. But in order, to really, uh, in order to really dive into those Easter celebrations and the Palm Sunday celebrations, I want us to consider one more possible thing that gets in the way of our relationship with Jesus 
us, ourselves, me, myself, and I. Because is it, is it at all possible that though culture and fear and some of the other things that we've talked about can get in the way of our willingness or our ability to pour our whole selves out before God, is it possible then that maybe we can get in our own way as well? For instance, think about this. The mind is kind of a crazy thing. Mind's especially, but the mind is kind of a crazy thing, isn't it? There's an author by the name of John Carter who said that the human mind is a wonderful and fascinating gift from God. He says, while the brain is the physical organ that, ha- that houses and enables the mind to operate in the body, it is through a network called the central nervous system that the mind is able to make sense of the world. He says, the central nervous system is an intricate network of communication that transmits and receives and interprets billions of chemicals and electrical signals which are continuously flowing between the mind and the physical world around us. And he says thinking is, a, thinking is a function of interpreting these signals and giving them meaning and ultimately choosing to act upon them. For this reason, it is absolutely essential that the data we are receiving is accurate, appropriate, and interpreted correctly. When we have bad data, we will make inaccurate interpretations and ultimately wrong decisions. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever made a decision or responded to something based on inaccurate information? It doesn't end well. Like the time my friend swore that he had a shortcut to the cabin that we were going to up north, and this was pre-cell phone era, and that ended with us yelling at each other on the side of the road, right? When your decisions are based on inaccurate or unhelpful information, your outcome is going to reflect that. And so it's important that we pay careful attention to the data, the things that we are allowing to enter our brains, especially for those of us who consider ourselves followers of Christ. We cannot just blindly follow the things that we hear and that we read. We can't we can't just blindly swallow whole the things that a particular group or a particular party or, or even sometimes a church that we belong to tells us to believe. We have to funnel all of that through the word of God, through trusted community, and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we are hindered from pouring ourselves out before God because our mind is not focused on the things of God. And God cares about whether or not we are making decisions that honor him. He cares about whether or not we are making decisions that will lead us to lives that are transformed in God and through God the way that he calls us to. And so I want you to think for a second about your own beliefs. Do you believe that we are, for instance, a product of our environment? Now, this is a pretty long, long standing and ongoing debate in our society on lots of levels, So really think about your opinion on this for a second. Are we simply a product of our environment? Now, certainly I believe that we are shaped and influenced by our surroundings, but there's a big difference between those who fall victim to their environment and those who allow God to transform them beyond their environment. Here's what I mean by that. I had a conversation with somebody Uh, recently about somebody else who had some pretty rough growing up years for a myriad of reasons that were not in his control as a child. And we were talking about the fact that he was certainly deeply impacted by this awful environment growing up. 
Lots of us spend our adult years trying to sort through that stuff, right? It's messy, it's difficult, it can be really painful. But what we are saying in this conversation is that while lots of people have difficult childhoods, there's a difference between those who recognize the impact of their childhood on their life and choose to live differently, and those who are stuck in a place of saying, I just am who I am, as if they have no ability to change. It's easier for somebody to say something like, well, my dad was very abusive, and so I'm just, I'm just kind of destined to be that way. It is what it is. Versus somebody who might say, my dad was really abusive, and so there's no way I'm going to end up like him. Do you see what I'm saying here? While it's much easier to live this way, we get ourselves into all kinds of trouble when we live as if we believe that we have no control over our minds. Now, I always use the example of my parents' stubbornness. My parents are two of the most stubborn people I've ever met in all my life. Hi, Mom and Dad. (laughs) They don't really watch, but if they did, they know this. I would say this to their face. It's fine. Two of the most stubborn human beings that you will ever meet in all your life. And so I always joke that I came by my stubbornness naturally. And I did. And I do. But that does not mean that I have no control over whether or not I choose to live into that stubbornness, right? No way. For those of us who are trying to live a life poured out to Jesus, even as I can offer my stubbornness over to Jesus and ask that he would transform it, in that same way we have to recognize that we have control over what we allow to influence our minds, We are not pawns in this life. We have the power of God within us. But God is asking us to guard our minds even as we guard our hearts. And so how do we do that? If you have a Bible in front of you or a Bible app on your phone, uh, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 8. It'll also be here up on the screen and you're also just welcome to listen along if you'd like. Romans chapter 8 starting at verse 5. Romans 8, starting at verse 5, it says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So at the end of verse 4, so right before we get to this section, at the end of, we started at verse 5, but at the end of verse 4, Paul, who is the author of, of this passage that we just wrote, he's the same author of the passage that we read last week, Paul is introducing this kind of shift in thinking that, that kind of governs the verses that we just read. This idea of, um, sometimes you'll hear it referred to as sinful nature versus the spirit. And in this text, Paul uses the Greek word sarks. Does that sound familiar to anybody? If you were here last week, we talked about the difference between the Greek phrase kata sarka, which is a way of seeing the human body and humanity through the eyes of humanity, versus the Greek word sarks, which is not just about our physical bodies, the the meat on our bones, so to speak, 
But Paul is kind of talking about the entire nature of our being and our, our inability to see or our ability to see humanity the way that God does. And so in this passage we just read from Romans, I believe that it's Paul, Paul's intentions to show us this contrast between human nature and spirit, mainly that our human nature brings death and that the spirit brings life. And it makes sense that Paul would speak this way because he's the same guy who, who wrote my probably most quoted and what I think is the most relatable text in all of scripture, where he says that whole thing, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I do want to do, and it's, it goes on like that for like 10 verses, but that's what he's saying. I don't do what I do want to do and I do do what I don't want to do, and I think it's the most relatable thing that ever has been written, Right? He's the same person who wrote that. And so this idea that our very human nature does not always lead us or does not typically lead us to life-giving decisions or actions, and I believe that. We use this example here all the time, right, that we don't have to teach children to be selfish. You don't have to teach a a toddler not to share their toy, right? We have to teach children to share their toys because we tend to be naturally selfish people. The issue comes then when, as adults, we fall back on the lie that we have no control over ourselves or our minds and that we just are what we are. It's such an easy way to live because because we cannot be held accountable for something over which we have no control. My parents are incredibly stubborn, so I'm just stubborn. It is what it is, right? Well, that's an incredibly easy way for me to not have to be held accountable for my stubbornness. And it's an incredibly easy way for me to not have to be held accountable for the impact that my stubbornness has on other people, right? So many people have bought into the lie that we can't help ourselves, that we can't help what we think, that we are products of our environment and we can't help what our minds do with that. But that is a lie. It's a convenient lie, but it's a lie nonetheless. All throughout scripture, we are taught that our thought life is our responsibility, a responsibility for which we are held accountable by God. And if that is true, it means that we manage our thoughts and that ultimately, as as that author Carter says, that we choose what we allow to play on the screens of our minds. That doesn't mean that we can control every single thought that arrives in our mind from the world around us. Everyday thoughts that are inspired by other people, our environment, and even evil spirits are going to come knocking on the door of our mind. These thoughts provoke many feelings that seek to take root in our minds. While we cannot prevent thoughts from coming to the doors of our mind, we can choose which thoughts we are going to allow inside. Whether or not we invite a thought inside and entertain it in our mental living room or let it live in a spare bedroom, that is entirely up to us. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Our minds are like the widescreen TVs that we all wish we had in our homes. It's our choice. I can choose my thoughts and I can think things on purpose. I don't have to be stuck thinking about whatever happens to fall in my mind at any given moment, right? There's a Proverbs from Proverbs 23. It says, as he thinks within himself, so is he. You're welcome to put she there. As she thinks within herself, so is she. In other words, the way we think determines how we live and who we are, which means that we need to think about what we're thinking about. How often do you do that? 
How often do you think about what you are thinking about? 2 Corinthians 10.5 says that we need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Because if we know that anything that we allow to captivate our thoughts will eventually control our lives, isn't it worth it to think about what we're thinking about? Isn't the life that we are currently living a reflection of our previous thoughts? The life we are living today is because of the thoughts and the decisions that we made yesterday or many yesterdays ago, which is why we have to take seriously this reality that even as adults, we are susceptible to being greatly impacted by outside influences in our lives. When we don't think about what we are thinking about, everything around us can have control of our lives. The shows we watch, the music we listen to, the people with whom we spend our time, the culture and language and habits that we are surrounded by, all of that influences us. And over time, we will become what we think. Our thoughts are our responsibility. And while we cannot stop every thought that arises, we alone will be held accountable to what we allow to engage our minds. And as is the case with anything, we are powerless to change anything for which we are unwilling to accept responsibility. So our first step is accepting responsibility for the things that we think. What do we think about? How do we think? What are things that we think about that limit us? What do we say to ourselves that might be demeaning or defeating? What are unhealthy patterns of thought that get us so stuck that we lose sight of God's best for us? Or do you keep yourself so busy and keep your mind so busy that you don't even allow yourself to face your own thoughts? And so we are invited, as Colossians 3 says, to set our minds not on things, not on earthly things, but on things above. For you died with Christ, it's saying. You died with Christ and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so if our desire is to be able to pour our whole selves out before God, we have to be willing to choose the things of God over the things of this world. We're going to look at another text this morning that comes from Philippians chapter 3. This is also written by Paul. Philippians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 7 through 9. This is what it says. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith." And so in this text, what is Paul considering garbage? Paul is considering garbage kind of all of the earthly accolades that he has ever acquired, all of the prizes and the awards that he has ever won, and even other people's opinions of him. It's all garbage in the face of gaining Christ, of being like Christ, of pouring our whole selves out before Christ. Part of the point here, I think, is that how we think, so we go. I cannot fill my, entire, my mind entirely with things that are not of God, about God, or glorifying to God, and that we do this all the time, and then I wonder why my connection to God 
isn't really there, right? If all of or even the majority of the input in my life reflects the value system of the flesh, I hate that word, it's so gross. (laughs) You're really tripped up over that. I think that's your fault. We had a conversation about this this week. Anyway, I lost my place. If all of the things that affect me, if all of the input in my life is connected to just the things of this world and just the way that we look at the things of this world, how can I expect myself to act in the ways of the Spirit? Right? There's an author, his last name is Moo, like the cow, M-O-O, for reals. He says, if we are serious about progressing in the Christian life, we must seek every day to feed our minds with spiritual food. Because here's the reality. I can tell you every single thing about every character and every detail of the storyline of my favorite show because I have allowed my... I'm going to be real honest with you for just a second. There's a game that I have played with somebody, multiple somebodies in this church where if you are watching the Gilmore Girls... Thank you. Thank you. Same. My people. This is what I'm saying. Thank you. If you, any of the rest of you watch it, he could probably play too. So if you take a screenshot of any episode of anywhere on the Gilmore Girls and just send it to me, I will be able to tell you what is happening in that episode. Yeah. So he's, you really just showed me up quite a bit. I, yeah. I felt really good about where I was at, but that's, that's fine. That's fine. We should play Gilmore Girls trivia some night. Yeah. We'll talk later. Excuse us. Anyway, I can play that game because I have watched that show an absolutely obscene amount of times. And so that is in my brain. All of the details and all of the characters and every episode and every season and every show, I can tell you all the things. And so I periodically probably need to stop and ask myself if I'm willing to put myself in a position where I know the details of the story of God that way. Do I know the main characters? Do I know the really, really, really good one-liners in this book? Do I know the plot twists that are found in the Word of God the way that I do my favorite shows or my favorite books? As we think, so we go. As we think, so goes our life. So becomes our life. We are what we think. Now, mindsets are very difficult to change. This is very good news if your mind is filled with joyful and encouraging and God-centered things. A mind that is focused on God offers you deep peace and great strength and lasting hope that is really, really difficult to change. If that is not the status of your mind and you want to change it, we first have to take responsibility for our thoughts. We have to daily choose what we allow onto the screens of our minds. But we can do that. Because you have the power of Christ at work within you to take captive all of your thoughts. Because God has called you to be responsible for all of your thoughts. Of all of the things that get in the way of our relationship with Jesus, and I realize there are many in this life, I really think that we are the thing that gets in our way the most. But friends, we are not pawns in this life. If your desire this Lenten season or for all of life 
is to pour your whole self out before Christ, before the one who withheld nothing from you, then God has given you everything you need to be able to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's why I'm so thankful that we are ending this series and ending our time together this morning at the table. Those of you who have been around here for a while know that gathering at the table is my absolute very favorite thing that we ever do together at this church. Because this table is where we collectively, so to speak, sit side by side at this completely level playing field of God's. No one is more deserving than another. We can't earn our place at this table. We don't deserve our place at this table. No one else can take away our place at this table. This is just where we are invited, just as we are, by the God who poured his whole self out so that we could have a seat at his table forever. And so before we come up here, would you join me in prayer? Lord, we give you thanks for the reminder this morning that as we think, so we go. God, there are a lot of things that grab our attention. There are a lot of things that constantly seek to grab our attention. And so it's easy, Lord, for us to fill our minds with all kinds of things. And with the amount of information that comes at at us on a daily basis, it's really easy for us to fill our minds with things we don't even really mean to fill our minds with. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak your truth over us this morning and that you would remind us that if it is our desire to live a life poured out to you, that the things that we allow in our mind need to reflect that. That you have provided everything we need in your word, in your presence, and through the gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we can do that. We know that it's not easy, and you know, Lord, that it's not easy, but you have given us what we need. And so, God, help us just to take this next step just today, to pay attention to what we fill our mind with, to think about what we are thinking about, to think about the ways in which we get in our own way of our relationship with you. And Lord, as we meet at this table this morning, I pray that every single person here would feel invited, that all who call upon you as Savior know that there is a place for them at this table. We thank you, Lord, for this invitation. We thank you, God, for the way that you bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.